Thank you for joining us for the Covenant Gathering here on Eurofolkradio.com. Our host is Pastor Visser from CovenantPeople'sMinistry.org. We hope that you are inspired to grow in faith and wisdom by studying the scriptures each week with us. It is written, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, and gather the children. So let us gather together for this Bible study hour with our host, Pastor Visser, on the Eurofolk Radio Network. And thank you for joining me, my dear friends all around the world, for a brand new Covenant Gathering broadcast, available only on Eurofolkradio.com and only every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, making it 5 p.m. in London, England. And with that being said, I'd like to thank all my friends and kinsfolk around the world for joining me today for the third part and the continuation of our look into the doctrine, the works, the creation, the origin of Satan. And many people have contacted me over the last week, and they wonder why it is that I would spend so much time looking at the devil. And I believe that the answer for that will be provided within the next hour as we progress through looking at the work of Satan. Now, in the first part, two weeks ago, we looked at what Satan was and what he was not, according to Scripture, in the flagship episode of this series on the devil, titled The Doctrine of Satan. The second one that we did a week ago was titled The Origin of Satan, and that one's quite popular, because within that particular lecture, I attempt to answer the questions as to why Yahweh God would allow the devil free reign on earth, why he would create him, and how he was created. And so if you've not heard those two sermons, brought live here every Saturday on Eurofolkradio.com, then please feel free to download those in archive and also on YouTube. And hopefully, within the next few months, we'll be able to actually have an archive on Eurofolkradio.com where you'll easily be able to download these shows. And so today we're going to take a look at the work or the works of Satan and in looking at his tactics... I feel that we, as the men, women, and children of Yahweh God, the bride in short, will be able to arm ourselves against him and the wiles of his children. Now, we have established countless times from this very pulpit that Yahshua clearly taught that Satan has progeny on earth. And that's where we're going to begin today, in looking at the work of Satan. Because the devil's works are of a varied nature. He never sticks to one modus operandi. But there are general themes in which the devil works within. They are varied, his works, but he is a religious leader. And that, my friends, we need to understand. So turn to the book of Revelation. And I'm sure, no doubt, you have heard these two verses, Revelation 2.9 and 3.9, espoused within Christian identity countless times. But we should look at them one more time. We read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, Jesus Christ says, I know thy works, 
and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now what's interesting about Revelation 2.9 is we, as the faithful remnant, tend to look at the fact that they say they are Jews and are not, and attempt to explain this terminology, Jew, which really means Judean, Judeite, or one from the tribe of Judah. And we overlook the fact that whatever these are, which say they are Jews, are of the synagogue of Satan. So whether you want to, Go ahead, erroneously, and apply this label to the modern Jew as we know them, the Khazars. Well, obviously, what we're dealing with is something known as the synagogue of Satan. And what that means is, Satan has a synagogue. A synagogue. He is a religious leader. And my friends, many times... We get confused over this aspect because it is loving St. John in his epistles that gives us the definition of an Antichrist. And we already know that an Antichrist is anyone who denies Yahshua, his coming, his deity, his position within the Godhead. So, we can easily say that all Jews and Muslims that deny Christ are what? In the synagogue of Satan. So, who is their religious leader? Well, that would be known as the son of perdition. And that is my point. Just because Antichrist is scripturally defined as one who denies Yahshua, does not mean that there is not a son of perdition or ruler of all, lowercase Antichrist. And we're going to look at that a bit today, because we're looking at the work of the devil. But we mustn't lose sight of that. The devil goes in to perdition, into the lake of fire, with the beast and the false prophet. So the false prophet, the beast, and the devil are a perfect trinity. Perhaps that's a study for another day. But different, although one, in spirit. Now, the second place that this terminology appears, that we're covering right now, is found in Revelation 3.9. And it basically says the same exact thing. Here is Yahshua giving judgment to the churches in Asia Minor. And he says to this particular church in Revelation chapter 3 verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So obviously, those that Jesus Christ loves, this church that he's talking about here, and there's only two churches that actually make it in, Smyrna and Philadelphia, was able to understand the difference between those imposters who come in and say they are what? Jews. What's this terminology in the Greek? Synagogue of Satan and Jews. Well, Jew, as it's used here, it's from Greek number 2453, and it means Iudas, in the sense as a country. That is, meaning that it belongs to Judah, the tribe. Or, simply put, Dr. Strong defines Iudas as of Judah, or a resident in the land of Judea. So without digressing too far into the etymology of this word, understand, whether you believe these are literal Jews, or you believe these are the tribe of Judah, 
or residents in the land of Judea. The point is, is they're not any of those things. Those that we read about in Revelation 2.9 and 3.9. Christ says they're of the synagogue of Satan. Meaning, Satan has a synagogue and he is the leader of all lowercase antichrists. Now I can prove this in various places from the New Testament. So we're going to take a look at a quote as it's found in the mouth of the beloved Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we read in verse 14, and we covered this before, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, in the segment before this one, we looked at the cave of treasures, we looked at the books of Adam and Eve, and today will be no different. But there is a section in there that we will be covering next week from this very pulpit pertaining to light. Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. But right before this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, Paul says, What I do, that I will do, that I may be cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So already, in less than ten minutes, we have confirmed that Satan is a leader of a religious order down here on earth. It is known as the synagogue of Satan. And not only that, that Satan has ministers. And those ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. That means they don't come in and say, hey, you know what, we worship Satan. That means they come in and they profess to be ministers of righteousness. Meaning they profess to be God's chosen. And that is a title, my friends, that is reserved for you and I solely. And on this theme, we must understand that Satan has been worshipped as a lowercase god through the ages. And this same worship of him will be revived in the future under Antichrist, or the son of perdition, we could say in a greater measure than ever before. The deception that Antichrist brings, or the devil, through his beast system, we could say, is enough that if it were possible, he could deceive the very elect. But we know that Yahweh God shut, cut short those days of tribulation for the Zadok, or the elect's sake. But nonetheless, we read in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, St. John the Divine says, I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Stopping right there. Ten crowns. This is a religious order, a governmental order that is led by something known as the beast. And my friends, I have done a study on the beast, titled, Who is Like? the beast, because that is the sentiment of many people in the book of Revelation here in chapter 13, but also right now in 2017. They walk around and say, who is able to make war with the beast? Who is able to bring him down? Well, I assure you, my friends, Yahweh God will. And not only that, one with Yahweh, one of his sons or daughters, is the majority, one with Yahweh. So who can bring down the beast? One man of faith, one righteous man my friends, but what we're reading in Revelation 13 continues in verse 2. John says, The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, 
and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. Wow, very interesting. Two different deities, one known as the beast, the other known as the dragon. But yet I have proven countless times in this very series, and most assuredly in my book, Sataniel, that another name for Satan, the devil, the serpent, is what? The dragon. But never the beast. Never the beast. We just read that right here. The beast which John saw was given power by something known as the dragon, which ironically equates to the serpent and the devil. So, that is the first fact I would like to establish today in looking at the work of Satan, that he will revive his worship at the future battle of Gog and Magog, during Armageddon, my friends, right before the third and final earth age is established after the marriage supper of the Lamb. In short, at the return of Christ. And we live in an era now, my friends, where many people call the Christ killer God's chosen people. Does it stand to reason that maybe they're going to the synagogue of Satan and they're giving a title of Judean to those that are literally the offspring of the devil? Well, I believe so. His work, the devil in general, is to oppose God in any age and every age, and he has done as such. This is why I spent so much time last year looking at the temptation of Jesus Christ at the hands of the devil. One of Satan's temptations is if you will bow down and worship me and give me the homage, then all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. Meaning, A, number one, they're his to give. B, number two, that he is a ruler of governments and religious orders. And three, that he is that leader, the head of all antichrists, the head of the beast system. So, Satan's name is what? Adversary, because his job is to oppose God. And for this reason, the devil's work varies in some respects with the purposes of God in each different age and dispensation. So the devil that appeared to the to Jesus Christ in Matthew, Mark, and Luke may be very different than the devil that is appearing today because of time, because of progressiveness. My friends, my point with this is today. What many politicians consider great things that must be looked into, like gay marriage and transgenderism, well, they weren't even thought of in the times of Noah, and perhaps we are much worse than the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. So who do you think it is at the top upper echelons of American and European government? Who do you think it is that is the prince of the power of the air in short? the prince of all politics. Well, back in Revelation chapter 13, verse 3, we learn in verse 4, and they, the general masses, worship the dragon. Stopping right there. They worship the devil because Michael, when he cast the dragon down, we learn two times in this same book that it's Satan. Revelation 13, verse 4, they, the masses, worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Therefore, at the conclusion of almost every broadcast, you hear me give a tagline that is not found within the Bible. And that is, war 
for Christ. If we war for Christ, then by default, we are warring against the beast. And my friends, let me interject. Those that overcome at this ultimate battle before the ushering in of the third and final earth age, those that are actually in the streets doing the war will overcome, and that is confirmed in the mouth of Jesus Christ in Matthew 25 and many other places. So the devil's great work in the Old Testament was to call the, cause the fall of man and to rule in his dominion. That is the point, and we should get this down. The fact that the devil was able to offer Jesus Christ all the kingdoms of the world meant that they belonged to Adam before he fell. And therefore, we must understand the original sin, the seduction of Eve, and what transpired in the very beginning. And we're going to look at this. Because above all of this, the devil's work was designed to prevent the coming of the Messiah into the world. And if you think for a minute there are not godless fools out there right now that are making bunkers within mountains and really literally believe that they can escape the wrath of God at His return, if you believe that there are not Jews preparing to make war with Yahweh and His saints, a polite way of saying you and I, then you are deceived already. You are deceived already into believing. Those that are Judeans or Israelite tribes are of the synagogue of Satan. That they are one when they are different. So, the following facts that we're about to look at reveal the works of Satan in every age. And we need to get this down. So why your thumb is in Revelation. Understand that Lucifer is the deceiver of all men. Skip one chapter back to Revelation chapter 12 and we learn in verse 9. The great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels, a polite way of saying ministers, were cast out with him. So we learn so much from Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. But the main thing is that dragon equates to serpent and serpent equates to dragon, devil, and Satan. And the second most important thing is that this same leader deceives the entire world. In every prophecy that we have looked at, in Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, pertaining to this son of perdition, we learn that he will perish and that he deceives the nation. So what can be said about this? If the devil is a leader of this world, the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, right? And if he is able to deceive the entire world, then do not walk around thinking you're not deceived. That is what deception is. Getting you to believe that you're not deceived when the deception that is down here already, right now, <laughs> is so great. That had Yahweh God not shortened the days of tribulation, no flesh would be spared. That includes you and I. So the devil is what? The deceiver of all men. That is confirmed not only here in Revelation chapter 12 verse 9, but also towards the conclusion of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20, where we learn in verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him in the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, that he should deceive 
the nations no more until the thousand years be fulfilled. So, Satan is what? The deceiver of the nations. All nations, all races. Not only the Israelite nations that are mentioned here in the King James Version of the Bible, but so also is this bastard adversary that we have, and Yahweh God has, the deceiver of the other nations. In short, the deceiver of the entire world. The deceiver of the entire world. He is the deceiver of all men. So again, consider this statement as it is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. We know this. Light is extremely important because Christ straightforwardly said, I am the light of the world. If you abide within me, you will not abide within darkness. But as we learn in the very first chapter of Genesis, and in the very first chapter of John for that matter, our people prefer darkness over light. Therefore, it should make perfect sense as to why he is the deceiver of all the nations, why he is considered an angel of light, and his ministers also transform themselves, being ministers of light into ministers of righteousness. So, moving on. Understand that the devil had the power of death until Christ conquered death. And this is something that we overlook within Christian identity. Because we tend to look at the fact that, well, by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, right? But yet, Adam and Eve were promised eternity in the very beginning. And Yahweh God says, in the day that you eat of that proverbial tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now the fool who says in his heart there is no God could come in and say, well look, Adam and Eve, they didn't instantly die. They were cast out of Eden. But yet they did. It may have took 800 years. But they died. That's the point. Because of their sin. And each and every one of us, let me interject, will die in our sins if we do not repent and accept the grace of Yahshua. We will die within our own sins. But the point is, is that we had the keys of life and death. We had eternity before the original sin and before Christ conquered death. Now, Christ has the keys that were once bestowed Satan. So, if you want to overcome death, then go to Christ. Christ says, if you believe in me, you'll never taste of death. Do you believe him? You'll never even taste of physical death. But yet, down here, a majority of the fools do everything they can do to keep their flesh prepared, right? And even in CI, we have idiots who come in and they say, you know what, the devil's just your flesh. But yet, it is Judaism that does not believe in a literal devil. It is Judaism that believes in the Yetzahara. It is Judaism, in fact, that allows 13-year-old boys to have bar mitzvahs because they also believe that their flesh is Satan. So, looking at the fact that the devil is literal is ex extremely imperative. And knowing, understanding that Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave is also important. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Because it is here where we learn in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death Christ might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, had 
past tense. The devil once had the power of death, but now Yahshua has it. So, with looking at the works of the devil, one of the works that can no longer be attributed to Satan is death. Because Yahshua has all the keys. Very important to understand. What do we learn right here? Is that the devil once had the keys of death. And that's confirmed in Revelation as well. So, let's give you a double witness before we move on. Revelation chapter 1, but verse 18. Christ says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of hell and death. Who? Christ. But yet we just learned in Hebrews that once upon a time, the devil possessed those same keys. So that is important to understand. Not only the fact that he is a deceiver of all men, but that he once held the power of death, shedding light on why by one man, Adam, sin entered in. And by sin, death. Because the ultimate culmination of habitual sin is death. And my friends, let me interject right now. There are dead men walking as you go through life. There are men and women that have committed sins unto death. Therefore, when Christ says, let the dead bury their dead, perhaps we should have the same sentiment. You think? But moving on. Okay? Because I think it's established that Christ now holds these keys. But the Bible says they were once held by the devil. Thus, providing light as to why the devil was created, perfect, without iniquity, and the most beautiful of all the sons of God. Now, Satan is also the leader of all sinners and backsliders in the human race. Now, this terminology, backsliding, is rarely mentioned within Christian identity, and with good cause. Because the truth rarely can be backslid from. We can take a season off, but truth is fixed. It's it, it's universal, my friend. So truth either is or is not. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Christ either is or is not. But what this means is that all of those out there that unfortunately attend these synagogues of Satan where they espouse that the Jews are God's chosen and don't even put a difference between Judean and Jew or separate out the difference between the righteous and the iniquitous. Well, they are led by who? We've proved in this series that those that are in habitual sin have a literal adversary sitting at their right hand. So, I want you to consider a statement as it is found in the first epistle of John, chapter 3. John says in chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning, and for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not only that, John continues, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed, a racial term, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Now, if you were with me last Saturday, you'll know that when the devil shone light from his throne, that same throne that he set in the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah, he will exalt above the stars of God. Light entered into that cave, right? No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed as an angel of light. And this terminology, seed, is extremely important because it denotes the sins of the Father. And it goes without saying that every progressive generation that teaches their children to hate Yahweh God will wax worse and worse and worse and more and more sinful. 
Therefore, John says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Did you know we are born of God? For his seed remains within him. But John continues in the next verse here in 1 John chapter 3. In this the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil. Stopping right there. John even, just like Christ said in his parable of the tares and the wheat, is saying there are, quote, children of God, end quote. And also, quote, children of the devil, end quote. And this is how they are manifested to you and I. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was born of that wicked one, who, Satan, one of his works, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. But John just said, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. If we believe in the New Testament, then we must believe that Cain was not born of God. If we can't believe 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, where John clearly says Cain was of that wicked one. Born of that wicked one. And what does this terminology of mean? Well, of in the Greek, as it is used by loving St. John, in his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 12, is ex. It is a primary preposition denoting origin. The point whence motion or action proceeds from. It also means from out, after, among, or the point of origin. John is saying Cain was literally born of who? The devil. So in looking at the work of Satan, we can easily say that one of the works of Satan is Cain. So I'm going to play a short message. Please listen to this, and we'll be back with some quotes from the books of Enoch, Adam and Eve, and also more authorized version. I'll be back in about a minute. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. You can also listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, so we hope that you will allow him to lead your life. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. And I definitely like to thank the men and women that Yahweh God has led to support this ministry and other venues such as Eurofolk Radio and many others that are probably too numerous to mention to be found within the internet and around the world. Yahweh God truly works through his people and we're about to prove that as well. Because before the break we were looking at the words of St. John and his first epistle where he talks about those that commit sin are of the devil, literally. And those that do not commit habitual sin, those that are anointed by the blood of Christ, have his grace, they are born of God. So, but it was not only John 
who taught this. We must understand that. So also did Paul teach that the devil is the leader of all sinners and backsliders amongst the Israelite race. So in Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 5, we read, beginning in verse 14, Paul says, and this is the commandment, I will that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Why? For some are already turned aside after Satan. Some women, younger women, are already turned aside after who? Satan. It's capitalized. It's personified. It's a proper name. It's a pronoun. Paul says, I will let the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, and give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully of them, so that they can't call them a whore, in short. Therefore, in this latter era, when our younger women do not want to marry, they consider bearing children a curse. They do not want to guide the house, or they want to be equal to the husband. And don't mind being called a whore? They are the ones that are turned aside after Satan, bringing me back to the very point that I am making in this sermon. That Lucifer has been worshipped as a god throughout all the ages, and he is usually worshipped by the synagogue of Satan. Habitual sinners. Those that are, quote-unquote, born of the wicked one. Born of the wicked one. So, I want to digress right here before we get to the next point, because we have already proven that he is the leader of all antichrists, right? He is the leader, the devil, of all backsliders in the human race. But did you know that Satan and one of his works is to be the leader of all rebel spiritual angels? All rebel spirits. Now we know from the book of Enoch that the spirits of the Nephilim are free to roam the earth. In fact, that is the biblical definition of what a demon is. So while we abide within the spirit of Christ and have Yahshua as our head, so also is there a body politic on earth considered the synagogue of Satan that is led by what? Spirit angels or rebel angels. So we're going to prove this. Turn with me very quickly over to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And let me interject again that we are covering Ephesians currently. We are halfway through it. So we have about six more segments before its conclusion at CovenantPeoplesMinistry.com. In the last, last chapter of Ephesians, chapter 6, we can begin reading in verse 10. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in Yahweh and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. A polite way of saying the works of the devil. But Paul says in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Stopping right there. Interesting. How is it that false prophets are even allowed the soapbox to enter in to dual seedline Christian identity and say the devil's just your flesh when we just learned in Ephesians chapter 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not warring against a flesh and blood adversary. You understand that point? It begins in the flesh but ends in the Spirit. And, Paul continues in verse 12 of, of Ephesians 6, not only does he say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, so Satan's not your flesh and blood, obviously, but he qualifies it by saying, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then he says, 
Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. To stand. My friends, how many of our people don't even make a stand? They don't even draw a line in the sand. Why do you think it is that when Yahweh God answers Job out of a whirlwind in chapter 38 of Job, he says, stand up and be a man. Why do you think it is that even Paul would say, first and foremost, man up and be a man? Meaning, having to done all to stand. Are you going to stand and withhold in the evil day? Well, the only way you can do that is to take unto yourself the whole armor of God. Why? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The war is against principalities, powers, and rulers. Now, this terminology was used by Paul countless times, and we don't have time to look into it. But if you look up the word thrones, it means thrown off. If you look up the word principalities, well, it means the heavenly host. All things were created by Yahshua for his pleasure. All these principalities, but yet one person down here on earth is what? The ruler of all these spirit rebels. Now, Christ taught identically to this. He taught in Matthew. That is the gospel of Matthew. But in chapter 9, exactly what we're saying here, that the devil is the leader of all spirit rebels. Matthew chapter 9, verse 34. But the Pharisees said unto Christ, He cast out devils through the prince of the devils. <laughs> and so many people wonder, they turn on the Tribune Broadcasting Network and they see Benny Hinn, uh, Mamzer Mud, a basic ball of dung that's rolled up. They of the synagogue of Satan, <laughs> right? A minister of righteousness, right? Who's actually one of the devil's angels. They wonder, well, how is it that this can happen? Well, right here, the answer is given. Even the Pharisees said that Christ cast out devils with the power of the prince of devils. Do you not think for a minute that the devil can cast out devils for a good dog and pony show? Of course he will. And that's how he's able to deceive so many. The Pharisees said Christ cast out devils through the prince of devils. Which, in short, is the unpardonable sin. And we don't have time to look at that today. So a few points I want to give you from the non-canonized uh, text. Gnostic books. Now, as you heard me mention at the beginning of this broadcast, I wrote a book about ten years ago titled Sataniel, The Rise and Fall of God's Adversary. In fact, it features an introduction written by Pastor Eli James, right here and a regular on Eurofolk Radio. So if you have the Book of Enoch, technically the Secrets of Enoch, I'd like you to turn with me to the 31st chapter. Because it is here that God gives over paradise to Adam and gives him a command. A command. Very important. We learn about the works of the devil right here and something we can apply to our Christian walk. In the Secrets of Enoch, chapter 31, verse 1. Adam had life on earth. And I created a garden in Eden, Yahweh speaking in the east, that he should observe the testament and keep the command. I made the heavens open to him, that he should see the angels singing the song of victory in the gloomless light. And he, who, Adam, was continually in paradise. And the devil understood that I wanted to create another world, or we could just say age, because Adam was Lord on earth, to rule and control it. Now we're going to stop right there, but that is already confirmed. Everything I have told you today 
right? So be on guard against men and women who tell you, don't study the books of Enoch or Jasher or the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. Because nine times out of ten, the men and women who say that don't even read their own Bibles, right? What's it going to hurt? Reading on, though, this is very important. Not only the fact that Adam was Lord on earth and had the keys of death, right? Or power over death until his sin. But in the secrets of Enoch, chapter 31, verse 4, pay close attention. The devil is the evil spirit of the lower places. As a fugitive, he made Satana from the heavens, as his name was Sataniel. Thus he became different from the angels, but his nature did not change his intelligence as far as his understanding of both righteous and sinful things. And that, my friends, I feel bears repeating because so many of us like to believe and delude ourselves into the fact that the devil does only evil, right? The devil doesn't cast out devils with the power of Beelzebub, but yet we just confirm that in the mouth of the Pharisees. The devil is a deceiver, and that is the point about deception. Deception is contingent upon us believing we're not deceived, so we will be deceived. Right? But what did we learn right here? The devil is the evil spirit of the lower places. So that's one of his works. <coughs> Excuse me. And as a fugitive, he made Satana. We learn that his name is Sataniel, which as I've proven in this series, means the adversary of God. And not only that, his nature was different than the other angels, but that same nature did not change Satan's intelligence as far as his understanding of righteousness and wickedness. The point is, is, the devil knows the law better than you and I because he is the anointed cherub that covereth and knows how to pervert it. He doesn't walk around saying, I don't know what righteousness is. He knows exactly what righteousness is and then attempts to pervert it. And my friends, that was seen in the temptation of Christ. If Christ would have done anything in violation for Satan's sake, he would have fell and he would have died. He would not have been perfect and guileless and he would not have overcome death. But continuing on in the secrets of Enoch, chapter 31, verse 5. And Satan understood his condemnation and the sin which he had sinned before. Therefore, he conceived thought against Adam in such form. He entered and seduced Eve, but did not touch Adam. Let's read that one more time. Secrets of Enoch, chapter 31, verse 5. The devil seduced Eve. Now, you can't add to that. You can't take away from that. And the fact that this is Gnostic is why it's perverted less. My friends, that's in the King James Version of the Bible. But Enoch, as a book, the secrets anyway, says that the devil seduced, not beguiled, expatia, Eve, or Eva, but did not touch Adam. Verse 6, But I cursed ignorance, shall we God speaking, but what I had blessed previously, those I did not curse. I cursed not man, nor the earth, nor other creatures, but man's evil fruit and his works. Now, that is the entirety of the Secrets of Enoch chapter 31. And it is the basis of my book, Sataniel, because it gives his name, it proves that the devil knows good and bad, but chooses to do evil. And this is why, between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, there is something known as the catabol, the tohu vabohu, the earth becoming without form and void. God says, I did not curse, 
I didn't curse man. I didn't curse the earth, nor other creatures. But I did curse man's evil fruit and his works. So that's something to consider when looking at this topic, right? Of the works of the devil. Now another point that I want to repeat right now, and I believe I may have touched upon this briefly in past lectures. But we in CI love going to Genesis chapter 6 and talking about that the day in which <laughs> the secrets of Enoch just referenced, right? When the sons of God, also known as angels, according to Job chapter 38, saw the daughters of Adam that they were fair and took wives of all that they chose. Two points need to be brought forth. Number one, these same sons of God are not non-whites because they fell from heaven. Understand that point? Because there's idiots in CI who use my, my title who will come in and tell you the fallen angels in bringing forth the Nephilim somehow or another brought forth the Negro race. But yet Genesis chapter 6 verse 1 straightforwardly confirms that both the sons of God are white, fair, ruddy, and so also are the daughters of Adam. So, turn with me to the secrets of Enoch and we're going to look at chapter 28. And it is here where Enoch is taken to the fifth level of heaven. It is here where Enoch sees those same angels that fell, that Yahweh God had reserved against the day of perdition of ungodly men that we read about in Job and Second Peter and Revelation. Right? The wandering stars to whom it is reserved, the blackness of darkness forever. They're mentioned right here. The angels took me up to the fifth heaven and placed me there. And I saw many and countless soldiers called Gregory of human appearance. And their size was greater than that of great giants, and their faces withered, and the silence of their mouths perpetual. And there was no service on this fifth heaven. And I said to the men who were with me, Wherefore are these very withered, and their faces melancholy, and their mouths silent? And wherefore is there no service on this heaven? These are all questions from Enoch to the angels. A polite way of saying messengers of Yahweh God. Verse 3, continuing on. And they said unto me, these are the Gregory, who with their prince, Sataniel, rejected the Lord of light. And after them are those that are held in great darkness on the second heaven. And three of them went down on the earth from the Lord's throne to the place called Ermon, and bro broke through their vows on the shoulder of the hill, and saw the daughters of men, how good they are, and took to themselves wise and befouled the earth with their deeds, who in all times and their age made lawlessness and mixing. Two terms of the fallen angel. Two traits. Two modus operandi. They promote what? Lawlessness and mixing. Lawlessness and mixing. Therefore, God judged them with a great judgment and they will be punished on the Lord's great day. So, in your own free time, read The Secrets of Enoch, chapter 28. It proves not only that Satan's name is Sataniel, a polite way of saying adversary of El, or adversary of God. But it also proves, again, right here, that Satan fell and took with him an innumerable host of heaven with him. Right? And they broke through on the side of the mount of the hill named Ermon. And they took all the daughters of Ahadam. And they befouled the earth with their deeds and the two deeds of the synagogue of Satan, we could say to paraphrase, are lawlessness and mixing. Interesting, is it not? Because if you walk into a modern Judeo-Christian church today, they will tell you the law is done away with 
and that there's nothing wrong whatsoever with mixing when it's only forbidden by the seventh commandment of Yahweh God, all forms of adulteration. Does it stand to reason that these are the synagogues of Satan? That these are led by ministers of uh, unrighteousness? Ministers of the devil, the same ministers and or angels that fell with him, the same ministers that are held against perdition of the ungodly dead. Now you understand why the devil goes into the lake of fire with who? The beast and the false prophet. One more quote because time is getting away from me in relationship to this. And we briefly touched upon this in the beginning of the book of Adam and Eve. But what is the devil's purpose? Today's lecture is titled, The Works of Satan. Right? Why did Yahweh God create the devil? We looked at this partially seven days ago, last Saturday. The answer for that is provided in the Gnostic book of Adam and Eve once more. But it is found in the 29th chapter. The 29th chapter of the book of Adam. But when the merciful God, this is verse 1, saw that Satan wished to kill Adam with his manifold devices, and saw that Adam was meek, God spake unto Satan in a loud voice and cursed him. Then he and his host fled, who? The devil and his ministers. Or you could say the devil and his angels. They were there in the beginning, and they'll be there during the battle of Gog and Magog. Then he, the devil and his host, fled, and Adam and Eve remained standing on the top of the mountain. Whence they saw below them the wide world, high above them which they were. But they saw none of the host which were by them. They, Adam and Eve, both wept before God and begged forgiveness of him. Then came the word from God to Adam and said unto him, Know thou and understand concerning this Satan, that he seeks to deceive thee and thy seed after thee. Wow, consider that statement. God's answer to Adam and Eve, at least according to this Gnostic book, is that the devil, one of his works, one of his purposes, and what he was created to do, is to deceive Adam and Eve in the very beginning, right? For this cause, the devil be sinned from the beginning, right? But also his seed after them. Now, the devil doesn't care in so much. He is the deceiver of all the nations, indeed. And he will use the other Ethnos, or the other nations as pawns within his game. He will, truly, indeed. But we must understand, the devil spends very little time worrying about those that he already owns. If we are in the synagogue of Satan, the devil's not going to persecute you. He's not going to move against you. He's not going to even tempt you, because he already owns you, and you're in his back pocket, giving glory to the Christ killer, whom the Bible clearly says the Jews are contrary to all men, please not God. So, even if you say the Jews are God's chosen, you're not even a man in the eyes of God. But the devil is the leader of all of that. And he was created to deceive Adam and Eve and their seed. You and I, my friends. So we need to be on guard even more so than the other non-covenant nations. Because they are devoid of the Holy Spirit. But we have the power of that Holy Spirit, my friends. We have the power of prayer. And we have power over the serpent. The serpent. So can his works affect you? Not really. But continuing on. 
here in the book of Adam and Eve, chapter 29, verse 5. And Adam wept before Yahweh God and begged him and entreated him to give him something from the garden as a token wherein he could be comforted. Well, why? Because he was cast out. Verse 6. And God looked upon Adam's thought and sent the angel Michael as far as the sea to take from thence the golden rods and to bring them to Adam. Now, if you continue to read what's ironic is in the very next chapter, you will learn that frankincense, gold, and myrrh were brought to Adam and Eve. And that, of course, ties into the birth of Yahshua. And we've covered that from this very pulpit in my sermon, Apocryphal Nativity. Everything comes full circle. And every gift that is bestowed, including the grace of God, Ephesians 2.8, the devil will come in and pervert. Why? He is a deceiver. That is his works. That is, that's what he was created for. And we covered that today from not only the King James Bible, but from three different uncanonized books. Yahweh God created the devil to deceive. So don't be deceived. Right? Yahweh God says many are called, fewer chosen. <laughs> and not only that, even Christ taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord, uh, our Father who art in heaven, lead us not into temptation. Are you praying that to the devil? Or are you praying it to Yahweh God? Because Yahweh God will lead you to what? Temptation. Therefore, there is this thing known as the synagogue of Satan. And unfortunately, they don't even come in and espouse to be Judeans. They just say, yeah, we're Jews. Right? But scripture, Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9 says they are of the synagogue of Satan. So, one thing we can learn in conclusion is that the devil takes advantage of all the adversaries of men to further their rebellion and to keep them captive to death because he no longer holds those keys. That's what we saw in the original rebellion of Adam and Eve. Now, to prove that now, towards the conclusion of this lecture, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we learn, beginning in verse 10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. Paul speaking. For, if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes I forgave it in the person of Christ. Why? Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Or 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan can get an advantage of you. And Paul says right here, through not forgiving. Now do you understand why Christ said to forgive your enemies? Because if you don't, you will harbor the root of bitterness, the gall of bitterness within you. And that hatred can consume you. So forgive, my friends, because Satan can get an advantage over you. Don't be ignorant of his devices. One more quote to consider as well. First Timothy, also in the Pauline Epistles, Chapter 1, but verse 20, where Paul says, Hold to faith and have a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I, Paul, personally have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. One of the works of the devil is what? A rod of chastisement against those that are led into temptation because they do not cling to Yahweh God. So cling to Yahweh God. He is grace. He is mercy. He is long-suffering. My friends, He is long-suffering. Also, while your finger is here, in First Timothy, or uh, 
First Timothy. Skip over to chapter 5. And in conclusion, we're going to look at a set of passages beginning in verse 11. He says, Younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they are not. Then, he says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, because some are already turned aside after Satan. So in looking at the theme or the topic of the works of Satan, they do vary, and throughout every book, from Genesis to Revelation, we see that there is an adversary of God, a polite way of saying Sataniel. There, working on David, working on Job, working on Christ, and working on the saints during the ultimate battle of Gog and Magog, the battle of Armageddon. And we, as the saints, the men, women, and children of Yahweh God, can overcome. And we need to overcome by abiding within Christ. It makes perfect sense when you think about it. All those that the devil owns, they abide within the synagogue of Satan. And at the very top, the head of that synagogue of Satan is the devil. And below him, comprising his body, just after the manner of Yahweh God, are the Jews, the devil's children. So, do not be deceived by the dares. The works of the devil is to deceive, to beguile, and by any means necessary to draw you aside from the simplicity that is in Christ. Look, if the word of God says that we have a literal adversary, that he fell from heaven, that his origins are of old and of everlasting, that he was created perfect until iniquity was found within him, that he was created the full pattern that he was the anointed cherub that covereth, and we had better adjust our life. And let me interject right here, in my estimation, one of the biggest problems we have in CI is trying to justify the New Testament with the Old. And the irony is, is we should be working the other way around. If we justify the Old Testament with the New, then you won't have Paul Bashers. And you won't have fools pushing Judaism unadulterated, pure Judaism, Satan is my flesh, and the devil is not a literal adversary. On us, the saints, that is the point. The devil wants you, your soul, and he wants you to turn aside. So do not allow him. Until next time, my friends, this is Pastor Visser. Join me again next Saturday, 12 p.m. here on Eurofolkradio.com for the continuation and conclusion, the fall of Satan of this particular series. Special thanks goes out to Paul English and the entire Eurofolk Radio crew. Keep up the good work, my friends. I hope this message has edified you and has strengthened your walk with our family. We are the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, towards the very conclusion. The body of Christ is the church. So, my friends, let's school one another. Until next time, this is Pastor Visser from the heart of the Dirty South. War for Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this Bible study lesson with Pastor Visser of the Covenant People's Ministry. These teachings are recorded for you live by the Eurofolk Radio Broadcasting Network and can also be found in the archives of our church's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org. If you have any questions or comments regarding these messages, please write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, USA. 
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Covenant Gathering. May God bless you and keep you and be with you always.